chill, an uneasy feeling that you are not alone. Don't worry. Because we are here to help. Please contact Beyond the Veil Paranormal Team at Beyond the Veil Paranormal Team at Hotmail.com if you are in the Tampa, Florida area and are interested in us investigating your property. Hello and welcome to episode 54 of this podcast. It's Just a Ghost is now known as the Beyond the Veil Paranormal Team. We decided to change the name as we are getting more into the investigation side of things. And I am your host, Mary Jensen. Denise couldn't make it for this episode, but she will be back for the next one. And we have some very spooky investigations coming up during the next few months you won't want to miss. We will be spending the night at the Haunted St. Francis Inn here in Florida. And we rented the most haunted room, so we are looking forward to that. Probably won't get any sleep, but that's okay. We also have a couple of investigations coming up at the May Stringer House, known to be one of the most haunted houses in the state of Florida. What we have for you today is a history of Fort DeSoto Park in Tierra Verde, Florida. At the end of this episode, we will play the two EVPs we got during a recent investigation there. If you prefer a much shorter version of this episode, please check out the episode on our YouTube page. The link will be in the episode notes for this show here, as well as our old website, itsjustaghostpodcast.com, and the brand new website at beyondtheveilparanormalteam.com. So, let's get on with the history. South Southwest of St. Petersburg, Florida, Fort DeSoto Park is a park operated by Pinellas County, on five offshore keys or islands, Madeline Key, St. Jean Key, St. Christopher Key, Bonaire, Fortune Key, and the main island, Mullet Key. The keys are connected by either bridge or causeway, and the island group is accessible by toll road from the mainland. Historically, the islands were used for military fortifications, remnants, and a museum exhibits a history. The land that would later become Fort DeSoto was inhabited by the Tacobaga Native Americans from about 1000 to 1500 AD. They lived on Mullet Key and other barrier islands in the area, thanks to the plentiful fish, clams, conch, oysters, and whelks from the Gulf of Mexico, supplemented by occasional game food as well as the wild plants they gathered. In 1529, the Spanish explorer De Narvaez investigated the barrier islands after his expedition landed somewhere between St. Pete Beach and Clearwater. Ten years later, Hernando de Soto came ashore somewhere near the southern part of Tampa Bay, beginning what would culminate in the conquest of Florida for the Spanish Empire. Military use. In 1849, a detachment of U.S. Army engineers, including Robert E. Lee, who would later become the commander of the Confederate Army, surveyed the area. They recommended Mullet and Egmont Keys become fortified as appropriate site for coastal defense installations. Both keys could only be reached by boat since they were islands off the, off the mainland. Although no fortifications had yet been built, Union troops were stationed on the two keys during the Civil War, 1861 to 1865, to aid in the Union blockade of Tampa Bay, 
with the Egmont Key Lighthouse acting as an observation tower. The keys were again abandoned by the military until 1882, when military reservations were officially created on the two keys. However, it would be several years before actual permanent construction would commence as a result of defense considerations linked to the Spanish-American War. Hillsborough County established a quarantine station at the eastern side of Mullet Key in 1889. It became known as Mullet Key Quarantine Station. The Marine Hospital Service took over jurisdiction of the station in 1901. The duty of the station was to inspect aliens aboard ships arriving from the foreign ports. By 1925, the station operated with 15 buildings. The quarantine station operated until 1937 when the Public Health Service transferred its operations there to Gadsden Point near Tampa. The main operation of Mullet Key, however, became Fort DeSoto in 1900, named for Spanish explorer Hernando de Soto. The Army Post was officially a subpost of Fort Dade, which was constructed on Egmont Key. These posts were to contain batteries of artillery and mortars to protect Tampa Bay from any invading forces. Construction of Fort DeSoto began in November 1898 and completed in 1906. The foundation was constructed of a seashell concrete formula and the walls and ceilings used as a seashell, stone, and concrete mix. The main attractions at the completed post were the artillery and 12-inch coast defense mortar batteries. The post consisted of 29 buildings, and the post features included a large barracks, a hospital, a guardhouse, a blacksmith and carpenter shop, an administration building and mess hall with a kitchen and bakery. The site also had brick roads, concrete sidewalks, and narrow gauge railroad to aid in moving materials and supplies around the post. The post was active from 1898 to 1910. At least one company was present at Fort DeSoto at all times, and many times several units were present. In 1910, most troops were moved to Fort Morgan in Alabama. Only a caretaker force remained. By 1914, only an ordnance sergeant and game warden remained at the post. Through most of the World War I, a large caretaker force was at the post usually with about 22 privates, two non-commissioned officers, and two commissioned officers. In 1917, four of the post mortars were disassembled and shipped to Fort Rosecrans in San Diego, California. In November 1922, the Army announced it would soon close both forts, DeSoto and Dade. On May 25, 1923, the forts were officially abandoned and only one caretaker remained at each post. A number of tropical storms and hurricanes severely damaged the buildings on the post. A few were destroyed, as was Battery Bigelow in 1932. The Army attempted to sell the post, but there was little interest. In September 1938, Pinellas County bought the area on Mullet Key for $12,500. So here we go. Here is the conversion to civilian use. Shortly after Pinellas County purchased Mullet Key from the federal government in 1938, County commissioners granted a lease to Percy L. Roberts for the use of land and building on the island of Mullet Key quarantine service had once used. In a business plan formulated and with the financial support of Charles R. Carter, a local insurance executive and president of the Beeline Ferry Company, Robert Roberts immediately began implementing his plan. 
For transportation to the isolated island, the passenger boat Hobo was put into service. Hobo operated daily from the Beeline Ferry Terminal at St. Petersburg Pinellas Point, pulling away from the dock early morning and leaving for the return trip late afternoon. Hobo was also available for chartered trips and between scheduled runs. Lodging and eating accommodations on the island were fashioned by renovating a building vacated by the quarantine service in 1937. When the Pinellas County Commissioners leased the old Fort DeSoto and Mullet to Percy Roberts, they did a fine thing for the tourists by opening up the vast, uninhibited reaches of Mullet Key and the old fort to exploration parties. Today, for a nominal fee, one can take a boat to Pinellas Point and go to Mullet Key, land at the old quarantine dock, enjoy an old-fashioned fish dinner prepared in the same manner at the, as the pioneers of 50 years ago, by the Roberts family, and explore miles of uninhabited beaches, bayous, and the old Spanish-American war fort. So here's a little bit about the bombing range. In less than two years, Mullet Key Lodge became well-established and profitable. However, this first for-profit business founded on the island was short-lived. The lease granted to Roberts in 1939 had to be redesigned because the war Department decided it wanted the island back for use as a bombing range by the U.S. Army Air Corps in support of air bases then being constructed in Tampa Bay area. In 1941, the federal government bought back Mullet Key from Pinellas County for $18,404. As planned, it was turned into a subpost of MacDill Field and used as a bombing range throughout World War II. After World War II, the by then renamed U.S. Army Air Forces had no need for Mullet Key and it was sold back to Pinellas County along with adjacent islands, Sister Key, Hospital Key, Rattlesnake Key, and Scratch Key. The sale for $26,495 was finalized in 1948. County officials immediately designed Fort DeSoto and all of Mullet Key, a county recreational area, and declared it open to the public. So soon thereafter, excursion passenger boats began regularly scheduled trips to the island. In 1962, a toll road, the Pinellas Bayway, formerly known as State Road A-19A and now SR-682, was completed to the mainland, enabling island visitors to arrive by car. On December 21, 1962, Fort DeSoto Park opened. On May 11, 1963, was officially dedicated. Its facilities had been expanded over the years. The Quartermaster Storehouse was reconstructed to become the Quartermaster Storehouse Museum. And then on December 2, 1977, the Fort DeSoto batteries were placed on the National Register of Historic Places. The four 12-inch M1890 mortar and two 6-inch Armstrong guns at Fort DeSoto are the only weapons of their type remaining in the United States. All right, so what you can expect if you want to visit Fort DeSoto's Park, some of the amenities if you are there to visit um, the park today include several thousand acres of firm bottom shallows, making the area a favorite destination of wading anglers. Two pairs each allowing fishing. Both have bait, tackle, and food concessions. There's various picnic areas. You can visit the Quartermaster Storehouse Museum. There are two swimming areas, North Beach and East Beach. North Beach has been named to America's top 10 beaches. 
In 2005, it moved to the first place on the list. There's an 800-foot boat ramp, a camping area with a camp store, there's a snack bar and a gift shop. There are seven-mile multipurpose trails, two-and-a-half-mile canoe trail, barrier-free nature trail, paw playground area to exercise pets. So ferry to Egmont Key, site of Egmont Key State Park. And there are 328 species of birds that have been documented at the park by ornithologists. All right, so now given the history of Fort DeSoto Park, you can imagine it has its share of ghost stories. So the campground offers a quiet, shady space to spend the night. But when the sun goes down, you might experience one of the many ghosts who supposedly haunt this campground. It is said some people think that soldiers haunt this place, and overnight visitors to the campground often have reported hearing and even seeing these soldiers wandering around. Another ghost at Fort DeSoto Park is that of a man looking for his lost lover. He is seen wearing a blue shirt and wading out in the water, never to be seen again. The area might also be haunted by native Tacobaga tribe members who were killed by Spanish explorers in the disease they brought. Spanish explorers and perhaps even Hernando de Soto himself have also been thought to roam the campsites at night. And as sun begins to set, hushed voices can be heard echoing off walls. Phantom footsteps and apparitions of a dripping, wet, fully clothed man appears at Fort. Variations of wet soldiers who drag himself out of the ocean and walk dripping throughout the fort. Footsteps heard in the fort's small powder room. And also near Fort DeSoto Park Toll Plaza, ghosts of the friendly trout fisherman has been seen wading in the water in the grass flats and fond of interacting with women and disappearing after a brief conversation. And a ghost of a woman quarantined on Mullet Key who went insane at news of her children, who all died from yellow fever, is said to cry out and search for them. So Denise and I arrived to the park late in the day, and we stayed until closing. Um, there were a few people about walking in and out of the fort, um, so we decided to just explore for a bit until there wasn't anyone else around. And we didn't see any soldiers or hear anybody crying. And we did get two EVPs when we were able to investigate alone. The first one I got was way back in one of the sections of the fort. I went to the end and turned left and then a right. Anytime either Denise or I spoke, it echoed, which makes sense, you know, given where we were. Um, there was no echo in this EVP when you hear a man say, screw you. There was absolutely no one else around. So here is that EVP. Right, this next EVP was also in one of the rooms deeper into the fort, and there is no distinct word said, but we believe there was something there trying to communicate in some way. So here is that EVP. We also picked up two ghost lights on the night vision camcorder, um, which we had to use because we were deep in the fort, and, you know, it's pretty dark in there, so... Uh, you can view those at itsjustagoespodcast.com. I also want to let you know that we have a brand new website that coincides with our new name, and that is beyondtheveilparanormalteam.com. And also our new email is beyondtheveilparanormalteam at hotmail.com. 
We will be keeping the old site with the link to the new one as well as the old email along with the new one for the next year or so. So everyone, thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, please go check out our YouTube channel. Again, uh, the link to that will be in the episode notes here, as well as our either one of our websites. It's just the ghostpodcast.com or beyondthevealparanormalteam.com. And remember, ghosts are people too. Bye-bye.